Hello and welcome to episode two of the Greenway Outdoors podcast. I'm Kyle Green. I'm Jeff Hutchinson. AJ Beadle. Ryan Parks. And this is our special Halloween special. Everyone got their names right. I'm so proud. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jeff, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish you would have got it wrong. Jeff Old Hutch. I'm actually pretty proud. I wore orange for Halloween because today's our Halloween special. But when I was all proud, like I'm going to be the guy that was ready for Halloween, I showed up and Ryan had to outdo me. Yeah, no, Halloween's the day. You so I had a, I had a call out. It's peanut butter jelly time. <laughs> <laughs> Way yet, way yet. That's the so, song, right? He definitely wins today. Yeah, he yeah. definitely he definitely wins today. So yeah. we're gonna dive right in, and I'm gonna make a point of not saying dive right in on anything else except for that specific subject. I want you guys to know that that Kyle in high school, when we were on the swim team together, he dove. No, that I did that. A, that's not a fair as assessment. It turns I did two out minutes. that was where he peaked. That was the peak of his life. He peaked in high because school. Because he, he will not let it go. He talks won't. about it all the time. I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the last podcast, he talked about diving in. 12 separate times he can't in let one go. hour. So, uh, yeah, that's, he likes that's to what do. we got in the captain's chair there. So <laughs> I like it. I'm glad you peaked, I am buddy. the captain. <laughs> yeah, I peaked. Speaking of peaking, which actually this is not a good transition, but <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, the youth hunt that we did this year, actually, with my, uh, I call her little cousin, because to me she is a little cousin, but Ashley mm-hmm. Vandenberg, who got to shoot her first deer on camera, and it will be in our rifle youth season episode this uh for season three and she did a fantastic job uh we got out there and there was a bunch of kids she was the only girl so there was like and oldest and oldest there was like 13 Mm -hmm. or 14 kids there but she was the only one don't raise your eyebrows ryan don't you dare (laughs) i feel feel like she just hung out with us the whole time there was too much of a age gap and an awkward well it's funny because all the 12 year old boys were following her around because she's 16 now yeah so it was like the last year she could do the youth hunt. But yeah. we went out, and she actually got the opportunity to shoot some clays as well mm-hmm. as uh, uh, learn, you know, the fundamentals of a rifle and shoot the rifle and did a pretty good job, and it was mm-hmm. a good hunt. But the emotion behind it of, like, shooting a deer and then going through being able to recover it and find it and the stress of that situation and, like, all the emotions, I was like, it's pretty wild, isn't it? She's like, I've never experienced anything like that before. So. Stay tuned for season three of the Greenway Outdoors, and you will actually get to see that episode. But it was a good time with her. And uh, Jeff and uh, Ryan, you guys actually sat with a couple different kids, one of which, uh, his name is Gator. Oh. Supposed to be so cool. Gator. <laughs> You're going to sit with, you know, Gator, whatever. His name's Gator. I wish my name was Gator. I, I wish that, my parents would have more foresight. I thought that's so cool. That's like the movie with Burt Reynolds. And Dad goes, yep, that, I, I named him after that movie. <laughs> oh, really? This kid's going to be cool. <laughs> he's, he's already set up to be cool. But you guys uh-huh. sat with him, and he actually got to hunt with you guys and the camera crew because he won the sporting clay competition where we were shooting the clays with the kids. Yeah, kid was a monster. <laughs> he's N- like, never shot clays before. Yeah, I don't know that I believe I feel that. Like, I feel like we got hustled. I feel like we got hustled. <laughs> I've been hustled. He, he outsmarted us. He wasn't even looking. He was just like, <laughs> yeah. But he, the dad's hiding in the trees with another. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but he did really fantastic. And, oh, he did uh, great. He really did. And uh, with that, he got to sit with you guys, and you guys had the anticipations like a youth hunt. You can shoot does up there. You can shoot bucks of any size, even though it's in an APR area, which is an antler point restriction area, meaning you can only shoot certain bucks uh, at least with at least three points on one side. But you found out once you were on the hunt that that wasn't We a- We assumed that, you know, a deer comes in, you're going to shoot it. You're on camera. You get to be on TV, tell all your friends. How cool will that be, you know? And we uh, were sitting there. We'd been sitting there for... Maybe know, an hour and a half or something like no, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Doe comes in, pretty good-sized Doe. So we're like, all right, he's going to nail it. This kid, we know he knows how to shoot. He's you guys up. had some small bucks come he's, in, too. Yeah, but he's, he's got his dad behind him. We're ready to go. And he doesn't pull his gun. I go, take your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeff, he goes, he'll be here all day. Jeff's hinting towards, yeah. Yeah. shoot, up, please. Get ready. He's like, he just does. take your time. Oh, no, I don't shoot Doe's. <laughs> and immediately Ryan and I just went. Oh, this is the look of death. <laughs> like I, was... I, I am all for having rules for yourself, setting standards by all means. Sure, I you know talk about power, composure for a kid. Though. More power to you. But when we're filming and we've already established that if something comes in, 
you, you have the opportunity to take a dough. We got to do it. It's gotta legal. Do, you know, you, we got to get a show, and we want to get you on TV, kid. So, you know. I was with Ashley. Here's She's, your chance. Ashley's a stone cold killer. She was out there for meat, so she was good to go. She was but I was whatever she saw. Not Gator. No, nope. yeah. not no. Gator. You guys were so frustrated. The text messages were pretty funny because you guys. <laughs> oh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, well, it was. It, it's not even that you have anything against the fact that he didn't want to shoot at Doe. It's no. The, it's the fact yeah. that we didn't know that before we filmed. No, we we would have. Like I said, more power to you. But if we're out there to get an episode, <laughs> Here, I'm going to take another kid that wants to shoot a doe. Yeah. Which you yeah. ended up doing. So you guys yeah. did get a kid yeah. that was yeah, able yeah. to shoot a deer. Well, I mean, every kid ended up shooting a deer. In the end, Gator ended up getting a, an eight point. The best one of them all. So I like I like that Gator ends up getting an eight point. So he gets mm. the best year of the trip because he held his composure, even though you guys hated him <laughs> for it. And then he ended up validating his decision yeah, by getting a big buck. That he, and that's he fine. ended up winning. <laughs> but but <laughs> when when you lost filming twelve year old when you guys filming, lost the battle and the war never works out that yeah. way. It almost and, and then works out and then you way. ditched him. When he shot the eight point and went with another kid and then didn't get the eight point on camera, if you would have just stuck with him, that's pretty funny. I mean, you guys are we, awful. AJ and I killed it. We would have been really nervous, though, because he didn't shoot that until just before dark. That yeah, last, that's true. last day. So, so we were, we would have been super nervous. So Whatever I'm, helps you sleep at night. You I'm ruined glad, hunting. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that we moved. We knew we had more opportunity with, uh, with Jacob, so we went. I've got two philosophical that. questions for this week. The first one is funny to me is the lie that all hunters tell themselves. So all hunters know it. They're lying to themselves. They're lying to their wives. Liar. Liars. Hide your wives. And that lie is that by hunting and harvesting your own meat, you're saving money Mm. at the grocery bill. (laughs) Clearly, whoever did that's never gone on a duck hunt at a non-managed waterfowl area and took three or four boxes of shells out at 23 bucks a piece. yeah. When you Good factor point. in the guns, the ammo, and everything that goes into it, you'd like Gas, to believe. And then every time travel, we go, it's like cost of time. The mm-hmm. fact that we treat duck calls like they're disposable items. <laughs> I've lost, I've they're, lost a duck call a trip this year. You <laughs> use those more than one trip? <laughs> Who uses a duck call more than once? <laughs> they got beef jerky in it. I was dropping. They did it. The one had beef jerky in it because I was eating that jerky chew stuff, and I was Great acting, stuff. I was acting like it was dip, like a five-year-old. And I was eating candy mm-hmm. cigarettes. It was a really uh, that won't ever leave you. It's just that's it just fun. It didn't look cool at all. You didn't look cool. <laughs> I looked that. so cool. I was spitting for no reason. <laughs> Boy Scouts. I, Boy Scouts. I, I think men just use that as an excuse to tell their wives, "Oh, I'm doing this for the meat. Save yeah. money. Yeah, save yeah, money." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good point. It, you're not, but you're not. No, be. not you're at all. You're not paying for the meat. So, so just based on that, yeah, you're saving money, but. When I factor it in, the way I see it, every duck cost me about forty-two bucks. So I'm <laughs> yeah, sleeping yeah, I believe it. Sky okay. busting every duck. Yeah, you, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. But, I mean, cooking your own meat. There is a special satisfaction that comes from it. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I shot this. I killed it. Yeah, I got it absolutely. myself. I cooked it. I prepared it for the family. I am hunter guy. I am hunter, man. I am man. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a certain satisfaction there, especially in like, same thing with fishing, hunting, all those things. Kind of gives you that kind of excitement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I want to go into the second deep dive of a philosophy, and uh, you're seeing it. that wonderful cooking segment still right now. And that right there was actually Ooh. that was the turkey buffalo wings that Ryan it. and I made for the mm. cooking. Yeah. So we took actually ch- uh, turkey breast directly from my my bird that I shot on camera, <laughs> and we cut it up into small chunks the breast. And then battered it and then deep fried them. And it was the best buffalo wings I've ever had in my life. And they were wild turkey breast. And it was funny because the people from the cooking studio all were coming in and eating them and loving yeah, them. They were out of this world. I couldn't, I, I don't, I haven't eaten a wing that good ever. It's because I made it, but it's not a big deal. I, mean, I don't know about that. I don't that, know if you guys know this, but I typically put the recipes do we, together. Do we, have a bigger, <laughs> do we have a bigger set of headphones? His, his head is his getting, getting, getting a little big. We <laughs> use the big set on the banana face over there. <laughs> you could barely fit it around the banana costume as it was. My next philosophy is really going to catch you guys off guard, mainly because it's not on our sheet. I didn't prep you for it because I wanted your genuine reaction on this. Okay? Philosophical question. Are the people that use metal detectors, metal detector enthusiasts, if you will, are they (laughs) jerks? Are, are we talking about From TSA or the ones that are at the beach combing the, uh, combing the bay? The beachcombers. Okay. Well, both, but we'll, we'll stick with beachcombers for now. And um, here's my idea and the reason why I think that they are. 
Because where is this going? In order to buy a metal detector and then go out with the anticipation of using it, you're essentially going into nature's lost and found <laughs> with the with the hope. Full of kitty litter. With the prerogative. <laughs> no? Yes. Yeah, with the prerogative that hey, I'm gonna go find something someone lost so that I can have it. You're literally going into nature's lost and found and taking what's what's technically not yours now treasure hunters ho- totally different thing if you're out there looking for gold i'm with you no but but like yeah. you're you're going out there hoping <laughs> someone lost Cibola, a know? wedding ring and that you'll find it and that would be like one of the biggest catches for you so that i could see hey, that like that. someone else's misery but is i wouldn't be your treasure I, I wouldn't say all people that use metal detectors are jerks because as a kid i had one <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> jerk jerk <laughs> yeah so it, t- it stands out but i went to uh, uh like i was in my front yard combing around and I like I got a, a real positive. I got a lot of false positives because it was probably pretty janky. Just a bunch of tinfoil. And it was like '94 when I had it. <laughs> I was like four or five years old. And uh, no, I was older than that, so I had to be like '96, '97. But I was out there and I was combing around in the front yard, and I'm like, Dad, I really found something. And he's like digging up. He's like comes out and helps. He's like, All right, there's really something here. I was like, Oh man, this is so cool. It's gonna <laughs> it's be treasure. Sprinkler line. It's gonna it's be treasure. A, for, yeah, because yeah. we didn't have sprinkler lines. So he dig it all the way up, and it was a gas line, though. So that was oh, nice. <laughs> oh, don't hit that one. <laughs> that wasn't that bad. Didn't your dad do the same thing? My, my dad did the same thing, but he did so with hedge clippers. <laughs> we, we had to evacuate the house. Oh, oh no. he hit the gas line with he, hedge well, clippers. Okay, so they, they have a, all this ivy in the front yard. So he's going through trimming it, not, you know, no big deal, whatever. And it had, it had grown up pretty good on one side, and he didn't realize that the gas line was right behind there. So he's trimming along, and all of a sudden, ding, I love your dad. The whole neighborhood smells like mushroom we had, goes off. We had the we had the dog and cat in our minivan at the time, <laughs> so it was uh, the judgment from all the other dads on the street. <laughs> you could you could you amateur could, amateur. You could, you could cut a gas line with it. It was so thick. <laughs> nice. nice. When we come back, we're gonna go on our Halloween special extravaganza. And no, with, we are not. Yes, we are. And what that extravaganza is is eating organs. Because how much does that make sense for Halloween? All right. Stay tuned for the day. works to protect your outdoor passions. For nearly four decades, the Sportsman's Alliance has fought to protect and advance hunting, fishing, trapping, and shooting in all 50 state legislatures, in the courts, in Congress, and at the ballot box. The Sportsman's Alliance continues to be the leading organization fighting coast to coast against any legislation or action that threatens your outdoor heritage, while also proactively advancing legislation that allows more opportunities for sportsmen and their families. The future of our outdoor heritage rests with the passion of sportsmen. By becoming a member of Sportsman's Alliance, you'll take an important step to help protect and promote hunting, fishing, and trapping from attacks by animal rights activists. Join the Sportsman's Alliance today to create a powerful and unified voice for sportsmen across the country. Take the guesswork out of diver duck hunting with Jeremy Ullman of MI Guide Service. Offering everything you need for a successful hunt at great prices, you're sure to have a blast. We offer open water blind and layout hunts in Lake St. Clair, Saginaw Bay, as well as custom hunts in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. We've also got your fishing needs covered with trips available in every season. Go to miguideservice.com to book your hunt or fishing trip today. Eagle Review is the review and ratings platform for thousands of international shooting and fishing destinations for virtually every game species. It is free of charge and it helps you to find the perfect place and to book your fishing and shooting trips directly with the owner or agent. You can easily find unique places in virtually every corner of the world. Find your dream destination by selecting a location, a method, and the species that you are interested in. Once you've made a selection, you can easily compare destinations and find out what other people have to say about their experiences. It's the way to find your dream adventure, compare your options and choose your trip. You can then help others finding their dream adventure by writing your review. So join the community and share your passion. Eagle Review. Find your dream shooting and fishing destinations. Hot Shot Outfitters in Port Hope, Michigan is the destination for whitetail deer, crow, waterfowl, rabbit, predator, and turkey hunts. 
We have cabins, over 30,000 non-fenced acres, and a passion for delivering fair chase hunts to you and your family. Reserve your hunt at HotShotOutfitters.com today. Welcome back to the Greenway Outdoors Halloween Special. Woo! It's a... <laughs> that is really that's good. That was a, that's really whoa. good. People are going to think that was pre-programmed. It's yeah. just you being a psycho. A sound bit. Like that one laugh where someone else laughed behind the camera, but I laughed at the same time and I didn't make noise. So when I laughed <laughs> on the TV show, I looked like this. And it goes... <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's Very why awkward. that episode was so well-ranked? Yes. I think so, too. People yes. like my laugh. They're like, oh, you didn't laugh like that anymore. In the spirit of Halloween... We are going to talk about organ eating, and I know that sounds gross. It sounds like Walking Dead stuff, but the reason why we're going to talk about organ eating is because we actually did something very similar to this up north recently, mm-hmm. but with that, when you kill a deer, let's say you're, right. imagine you're in the mountains in the 1800s, you're all alone, wearing a banana wearing costume. Wearing the banana costume. <laughs> costume, always. And a lot of people would try and survive... A lot of people would try and survive on just eating red meat. So they would eat red meat, and eventually they'd start to see sores in their mouth that would be extremely painful because the only source of food that they were getting was uh, wild, lean meat. They were getting scurvy, as it turns out. And eventually they'd die from it because you will die if you're only eating red meat or only eating white meat. They actually, some people call it, it rabbit starvation where people get in a, a desert island or not a desert, deserted island or whatever, but they get in a situation where the rabbits are easily attainable and that's like their only food source, but they end up dying because they're only eating lean meat and the body can't survive off that alone. So the locals would actually teach them that, hey, if you eat the organs as well, you can survive and actually be healthy because you're not getting the vitamins and minerals that you need right now. So they would eat the bile. Ugh, they wow. would they would eat the the tongue, the heart, the liver, especially the liver, and uh, they would do that strictly for the purpose of survival. That they realized if they ate those things, they'd be a lot better off. And we, like um, remember, like the the thing that we always talk about, the caribou. Apparently, if you eat the fat behind the oh, eye of the caribou, yeah, it tastes like um, pizza dough. I cannot wait to try wow. that. I, I'm excited to try that. That's weird. It, like it's, raw pizza dough? Yeah, like raw yeah, like pizza we, dough. You know how, like, before you cook it up, it's just that pile. You just cut it out behind their eye. Who just who just eats raw pizza dough? Uh, any, I like dough. Any, anybody, that, anybody that's ever bought a Little Let's Caesars pizza kit yeah, ever. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're the freak in the Genius. room. Okay, and now we have the stupid comment of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life is short. Eat, eat better pizza. <laughs> pizza kits are gold, but, though. Yeah, no. They didn't sponsor us, so we won't talk about them. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but they would actually eat the fat out of the back of a caribou eye because it would taste good. But they would eat the bile, they'd eat the heart, the liver, all those things. And once they found, once they did that, they'd realize that they were their bodies were doing well again, and they were getting the vitamins and minerals they needed. So we're going to actually talk about the health benefits of the different organs that you can eat out of a deer. And Jeff, considering you actually have a degree in dietetics, is that the way? Dietetics. Somehow. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Somehow. <laughs> Roasted. Figured it out somehow. I haven't used it since, so. Uh, this yeah. is kinda. This was <laughs> the one opportunity it. to use that $100,000 degree, so here we are. It wasn't that much. 80? Eighty. Eighty. Eighty-five. going rate. That makes it better. <laughs> that makes it better. Jeff, talk about um, the, the health benefits of eating organ meat from a deer. I, I really like like the idea like we've talked about about going out and hunting your own animal bringing in your own meat um but there's something even even better about then taking it and cleaning it yourself Mm -hmm. i really like butchering my own animal and uh and uh, one of the things that i think is very interesting is taking it cutting out the meat and then a lot of people just take the guts and then just toss it yeah usually good normal practice yeah so so one of the things that i (laughs) One of the things that I like to do is to take, we take the heart, we've taken a couple other things and tried it, and I don't know that, that all of them always work out, but um, uh, we tried heart, we got to eat heart. Yeah. You want to talk about eating the heart, Kyle? I enjoyed eating the heart. Why don't you talk about the health benefits of those? Like, specifically, what are the health benefits? If someone eats heart, what's the health benefits? Okay. Uh, well, the, the heart is, uh, is definitely high in ubiquinone, 
which is involved in energy production. Obviously, the heart's always pumping, so it uh, needs a lot of energy. So that's something that's good for uh, to eat that you wouldn't get from normal meat alone. Okay. Um, you can eat the tongue. The tongue is a muscle, so you're going to get protein, B vitamins, that kind of thing. Is there anything more than you would get from meat from the tongue or no? Uh, not really. It's got some uh, higher in fatty acids, but nothing, nothing crazy. At least thing. at that point, it tastes like wild turkey, though. I That's a stretch. Entirely. I think so. AJ didn't like it. Did you like that, the tongue, uh, AJ? If you're going to compare it to wild turkey, I can't. I can't. No, I can't no it was, it was gristle that. from a steak is what it tasted like. You gristle from a steak. T- like a good steak. Not not. not. I didn't bad. mind the tongue. Actually, I didn't mind any of it. Yeah. The heart was good, too. Yeah. Well, anyways. <laughs> so you're not going to get a ton of health benefits from no, the tongue? No, not, not nothing crazy. Um, and then as far as actual health benefits that you would get from organs, you're talking liver, kidneys, uh, that's where you are. Um, I don't think I want to eat a kidney. No. You're, you're filtering out. You definitely want to, like, pre-treat them with something, <laughs> like a lemon water, vinegar, something to help get the blood out of it. Uh, milk. We know milk yeah. does wonders for everything. Tip it of the week. Makes diver duck taste good. So, um, But uh, liver and kidneys are involved in filtration. So when you think of what you're putting in your body, if you're going to filter through it, then you're going to pull out all the vitamins and all that kind of stuff so those are uh they're called nature's multivitamin so you want to eat the, the kidneys liver, are. the kidneys uh you do want to clean them pretty good because the kidneys uh do deal with urine so you can get well, filtration you don't clean them nice you can get some some gross in there nice but, uh, but those are good um i don't i don't mind the flavor of liver because i like timberdoodle and stuff like that yeah. it has livery taste but like the thought of eating a filter gets in my mind Natural like i know filter. what it does i think i would eat it from a young deer but i wouldn't want to eat it from like a three and a half year old buck that's probably that's probably good you wouldn't want to eat it from an older animal because all of the different things that they've eaten they've come across more fields that have nature's garbage disposal yep. other things yeah yeah um and then the other cool things are uh, bone marrow that's really good obviously that's what is making your blood making your red blood cells so um, that's got a lot of building blocks in there that are important that you can eat. Uh, a lot of people take that and they'll cut bones into discs, cook them, and then scoop the marrow out and put it on like crackers or. I actually had. Uh, like um, we were at the Brown Derby. It's inside Disney World, and I went there for um, a birthday mm-hmm. for Aunt Nisi. It was Aunt Nisi's 50th birthday. We went there, and I surprised her. That's when I went down to Florida, mm-hmm. and they had a steak there. They called it the um, marrow butter steak, mm-hmm. and they mixed bone marrow and butter and then put that on a filet i i don't know how to <laughs> get across how tasty bone marrow is mm. i i don't i didn't it sounds disgusting i never had it it is it's basically nature's butter mm-hmm. i mean it tastes like butter but better like was a, it in the butter form it was like what you would was it melted down what you would talk about with like a zip sauce mm-hmm. oh nice so it was like that was the replacement to zip sauce in like a really fine restaurant interesting with steak okay. so if you ever go to the brown derby in florida <laughs> get the marrow get butter sauce. Yeah. I, I had one where they took a, an entire bone cut it lengthwise and then just gave it to you oh you nice. scooped it out and put it what on, did it uh, what did that taste put like it on baguette because mine was like kind of processed in the sense that it was on a steak it was like a meaty very fatty like a meat fat spread what was what was the flavor (laughs) like not very descriptive Um, mince meat i don't know that i would be able to it was good it wasn't bad by any means i had it at a nice restaurant so it was it was good but it had a lot of like spice and seasoning and stuff okay so i don't really know what i could compare it to that it would yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it tastes like. Yeah. It was really good. I, I liked it. I Mine tastes sure like butter, it but it was mixed with butter. What was so, the bone yeah. from? Just a cow? Uh, I think so. I just said marrow. Don't they use whatever. the femur? They don't, you know. don't they often yeah. use the femur? We should mm-hmm. try that. It's actually hard to do that with a deer because their femurs are smaller, especially so with a small deer. You cut shoot. them lengthwise. <laughs> <laughs> really? You want to talk about small deer that we shot? <laughs> <laughs> Technically, his deer have been bigger than mine historically, but yeah. Um, and then the other interesting one that I found I that I down. haven't tried. <laughs> I cower immediately. Like, I don't, oh, know, don't want that to come up. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can try this, at least not in Michigan anyways, is uh, velvet, uh, like a, a deer antler. Yeah, I see like deer How antler it? supplements. It's not It's not yeah, the, like the too. velvet on the antler. It's when the antler is still soft after it's like just forming. It's an ancient Chinese secret uh, remedy. How do they, how do they um, get it? They just... 
Uh, you say it like uh, you trap a deer and gnaw the velvet off, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> and they take them and cut them off, and they're uh, they're not hard yet because it hasn't like solidified into it's an like antler. Ivory. So all it is is um, it's a it's like a toenail to, of them, kinda, kinda, yeah. And then uh, it's got a lot of glucosamine and chondroitin in it, which a lot of people take for joint stuff. Joints, yep. Yeah, so it's good for your joints, good for uh, osteoporosis, that kind of thing. So I actually knew that one, but I see supplements for deer antler velvet. That's supposed to be like a huge muscle builder, but it's also like pretty sketchy looking commercials when you see it. So I don't, you know, like they're on at three in the morning. It's like those ads that you see that they're like, Conor McGregor uh, is going to quit the UFC because he's not allowed to take this supplement that has turned him into a monster. But you can order it here today. When you <laughs> get three, it's of just those, completely untrue. When you yeah. get no. three of those in a day, and each one is for a different supplement. <laughs> He must, he's taking a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, we're not saying Conor McGregor takes anything. That is fake and also fake news. A, a pretty smart way of advertising, I think. Because I, like, really? The first time. <laughs> he, the first he's time. banned from taking it. Yeah. But that is a thing. But, yeah, deer antler velvet. But I just think you'd have to shoot a deer before, like, I, that you wouldn't be able to ever get it's, that in season. It's, it's rare enough that you'd shoot one in season that still has velvet on. So to shoot one that's velvet and it hasn't solidified yet, I don't think that's a thing. It's not going to happen. That'd be like a deer farm thing, is there, I think. Is there somewhere you can hunt deer year-round? It's actually kind of funny. We just did the dove hunt in Ohio with the Sportsman Alliance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we were hunting private property <laughs> on, uh, um, it, yeah, Ryan was there with me. We were hunting private property, and it backed up to, like, a deer farm. Mm. But there was, like, a few deer in this little cage thing, and the farmer walked all the way out to us, and he's like, hey, are you guys hunting over here? And we're like, yeah, we're shooting doves. He goes, don't shoot my deer. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, they're in a cage 400 yards away from us, and we're shooting Shotguns. in the other direction <laughs> yeah. for doves with dove shot. He was petrified. And then uh, the guy from the Sportsman Alliance goes, he just... He just needs to hear himself. That's all. Oh, <laughs> he just, exactly. He yeah. just had to know that he said hear, it. He couldn't wait to tell you guys. He's like, oh, someone's out there. I'm going to lay down the law. <laughs> Shout out to crazy old McDonald. We're <laughs> literally. You said they were caged. I mean, was it just like a fenced in area? I've never, I, we've talked about these caged places. And is it actually fenced in or caged? Or like, do they set them free? Or like, so it's, a big, it's just a big work? field. I don't know. It's probably yeah, it's, about, it looked like it was about two acres, three acre field. Yeah, it's just fenced in, like high fence because the okay. deer will jump them. Okay. But yeah, they, it's just like a farm thing. I don't know if it's like a canned hunt farm or they use them for urine or what. Because oh, they'll use them okay. for, for urine. Sense. But they're banning the use of that urine in mm -hmm. Michigan, actually, this year because um, they're thinking that's what's spreading chronic wasting disease and other things. To cut down on that, you're only going to be able to use artificial scents. You won't be able to use real urine okay. because, like, Imagine you're in Michigan and like all of a sudden Northeast Michigan, there's a case of chronic wasting mm -hmm. disease that's never been there before. It's like, well, where did this come from? And it's like, they think it's, you use the scent and then that animal yep. had something and then the, they lick it and then they've got it and then they spread it and so on and so forth. And they're, they're thinking that may be the case. So in Michigan, a whole new uh, list of laws are going to affect next year. You're not going to be able to bait next year. Um, the, the way the season works is completely different, and uh, um, also the um, the use of uh, artificial uh, scents is the only way that you're going to be able to go, which we've historically used in anyways. Yeah, and it's worked out fine, so I don't see what why you would need to use. They they seem to enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they seem they love it. <laughs> you can make good fake scrapes even with that. Yeah, you don't even need scents a lot of times; just the scent of the kicked up dirt can get them going right so our tip of the week this week actually has to do with the organ eating and it's about the polar bear specifically and i am in no way condoning polar bear hunting i'm not saying we're going on a polar bear hunt i'm not saying you should go on a polar bear hunt so i don't check it check yourself before you wreck yourself but we said it if you ever <laughs> do hunt for polar bear you cannot and i'll let you say the fancy word jeff you can't eat the liver he, out of them. Because he can't say it. <laughs> you cannot eat the liver from a polar bear. Why is that, Kyle? It will kill you. In what way? Because it has so much vitamin A in it that what it's that toxic. What's that called? I don't know, Jeff, and you know I don't Acute. know. Did I write it down? Hypervitaminosis A. Dang, you're sm Hypervitamin. Wow, you're That's $80,000 hard work. Right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. I can pronounce big words. Thank you, MSU. <laughs> Thank you, Michigan State University, for that. Well, when we come back, we're actually going to be talking about APRs in Michigan. It's a brand new subject that everybody's really concerned about. I've actually spoken with the DNR. I've talking, I've talking, I've spoken with uh, some people from Let Them Go, Let Them Grow, 
And I've really done a lot of research on this topic to try and derive my idea of what's right or wrong when it comes to APR limits throughout the, the state of Michigan. So stay tuned so you can find out our opinion. ago that two millennials and lifelong best friends set out on a mission to protect the future of conservation. At the present moment, 60% of hunting and fishing licenses and conservation organization memberships are sold to white males over the age of 55. What many don't realize is these sales and memberships are what protect our waterways, wetlands, fisheries, our data collection, our species sustainability efforts, our forests, the Department of Natural Resources and anti-poaching efforts. The $373 billion outdoor industry is looking for the answer to attract millennials and Generation Z. Welcome to the Greenway Outdoors. inspiring millennials and Generation Z to hunt, fish, and practice conservation efforts is not through traditional outdoor TV. We have to reach them the way they want to be reached, and that's through entertaining and educational reality TV show content. And to reach the masses that we need to protect the future of conservation and the outdoor industry, we have to take it mainstream, and the Greenway Outdoors will do it. Okay. When you... When you Frantically move your feet, I'll pull you back out. Okay. Okay. He'll click with your feet, and I'll help him pull you out. You want his right leg or his left leg? Uh, the right one smells worse. I'll take it because I already <laughs> That's know. the one that pee runs down. <laughs> what? We hold his legs apart, we go click your heels when you want to come Got cold hands. I'll, I'll stop. It's in my bag. It's in my It's in my thing. Why don't you, you dig it out because I don't... It's gonna be at like the bottom and there's all kind of snacks. Don't touch the snacks. <laughs> those snacks aren't for you. Those, those snacks aren't meant for you. Oh, berries, we could probably eat these. Yeah, eat those. Please. Yeah, eat them. Please, 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 please eat them. Please eat them. <laughs> we need the ratings, just eat them. Lift <laughs> the steel, I try to get at you. Poke him like it's hot. <laughs> all right, now I'm done. The True Reality Show platform offers tons of laughs, and each episode teaches a specific tactic for a specific species. In a 30-minute program, we cover the conservation of the species, the gear needed for the tactic, the actual hunting and fishing trip, a Bible lesson, and we show you how to cook it. An action-packed, hilarious, but educational show millennials love. Welcome back to the Greenway Outdoors Halloween special. 
We're going to start this segment off with the comment of the week that is my mother approved comment of the week. <laughs> Are they going to be like this from now on? <laughs> oh, yeah. After the week one, she's like, no, All we're not censored. doing that. No more mean we're ones. We're not doing that. I will read them and then you will put them on. I like the mean ones. <laughs> so from Derek Lamb, this is actually on a comment on YouTube to our video that we posted about should you blame your guide for a bad hunt, to which AJ was the only savage. And I, in his comment reads, Whenever I hunt, I learn something, something new about the animal. I'm hunting my equipment and myself. Guided hunts are a great learning experience. My dad took me on guided hunts before he took me on a real hunt. Guided hunts generally have higher success rate because the guides dedicate all their time to that hunt. And the guides are learning too. It's impossible to become an expert in something with so many random factors. If you look at my profile, you'll recognize where I shot that big time. And that was with Ray from Hotshot Outfitters. Shout out, Ray. I take what I learned from my guide and apply it to my own hunts. I've been on plenty of failed hunts, and I'm never upset no matter how much time and money is involved. It's called hunting, not killing. Great job on your first podcast. Can't wait for more episodes. Happy hunting. So clearly the guy has good taste because he liked our podcast. And generous. <laughs> he is generous. And that is, a, that is a good point, too, that we didn't necessarily touch on with that segment was you do learn a ton on those guided hunts, too, that you can take that information that while this wasn't successful – you know, jigging the lure this way or doing this in these areas, or these are some good spots. But do you have a problem, Jeffrey, if you were a guide? Would you have a problem? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Would you have a problem if you guided somebody, let's say like Jacob Pertinsky on the Manistee River, if you're Jacob Pertinsky and you guide someone on a salmon trip, And then (laughs) you feel super official because you're Jacob Bartinsky right now. He's like stretching. He's like married to Cheyenne. But uh, (laughs) they got married, by the way. Congratulations to Jacob and Cheyenne, now both Bartinskys. Paul would be so proud to know that this would made it. But if you're, let's say you're Jacob Bartinsky, you do guided hunts or guided fishing trips on the Manistee River for salmon. You take somebody out, you teach them, they catch fish, good success, they pay, you're happy, tip, whatever, everything's good. Two weeks later, you see them in their own boat in the exact same spot where you showed them how to salmon fish, catching salmon, doing exactly what you taught them. Can you open carry up in Manistee? <laughs> Whoa. Um, <laughs> get out of my spot. <laughs> That's my spot. What do you um, What do you think? So, AJ, because you look confused for a second. Well, there. I didn't know. Are you saying, like, is that okay? If, if yeah, that's... is it ethical? Like, a guide takes you, shows you a spot on public waters, mm-hmm. and then you go out and just do exactly what he taught no. you. I don't agree with that. It, there's nothing like legally wrong. Yeah. With why that. are you against it? Is it like, is it like a moral thing? I, yeah. To me, like if I did, if someone taught me something, then I was going to their spot and taking it. It's like with the woodcock spot. If someone brought you hunting, like, I mean, you're an idiot if you bring someone to your woodcock spot, <laughs> but, or you're like your morel mushrooms. But if you go back to their spot and just take everything they have that, and what they taught you, I, I, I think that's unfair. In, in that, it's in bad taste. Specific yeah. case, I think I would, number one, be okay with it because they'd have to go out and buy a boat. They'd have to go out and buy all the different reels and rods and stuff in order to make all that happen. So they had to invest a lot. You got someone who's buying stuff, paying taxes that goes back towards conservation. You got someone now buying licenses, maybe taking Well, they would have had to buy the license for the guided trip. What you said is very irrelevant. But they could also Stupid. do that in other places now. You're, you're part of being a guide is teaching place, other that's... people how to do what you're doing right I so you were a success in one cons- in one way in another way it's it's a, a there's pros and cons i guess i think that the conversation in the boat with the guide is everything at that point because if i was like yeah. hey jacob today you're teaching me how to fish this river and what to do and how to work things and you're very inquisitive from like the aspect of like learning and he knows that going in and then when he sees you on the river later he's not like all right i hate that guy because he like accepted that ahead of time it's like when he knows now if you go there and you're like catching fish all day and don't say a word and then he sees you out there the next day i feel like his emotions towards you would be different than had he known going in you were learning to fish that river specifically yeah it sounds like i had the perfect answer you guys don't have anything else to say to it i mean i'm still what I said, I still believe in. I think it's just that it's wrong to do that to someone who's taught you what they know, and that's part of their business, like their livelihood. I would say yes if you're, like you said, with morale spots or, or woodcock spot. But if you're in a public river and you really don't have. Yeah, but that, yeah. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, guide on public land. Mm-hmm. 
understanding that then the people that they take out are probably going to come back here if they want to do it again. Yeah, but then as a guide, you always have to like account for that and always be switching things up. Like if you're in Alaska and it's like in the middle of nowhere, it's like, hey, good luck following the caribou herd and hoping that Correct. they're there in two weeks. Yep, too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's a little different, but uh, uh, stationary game such as a timber doodle that's going to freak with the same area mm-hmm. or I'll get the hiccups now mid-show. That'll be awesome. <laughs> or um, morel mushrooms, which are literally stationary. Really? I think there's like a... I think there's like an ethics to it because even the Manistee River, like different parts of the river, catch different fish at different yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Like knowing where holes are, doesn't necessarily, you know, determine a fish. But I really think the answer is how you go about talking to the guide. Like if you're like misleading them, but if you're like, hey, I'm learning how to fish the river. I have my own boat. I know what to That's do. That's a good point. And I really need to learn from you how to do it. Can you show me everything that you feel comfortable showing me? You don't got to take me to your honey holes or anything, but this is the situation. I think it changes things. Yeah, yeah it's it's how you're going to go into it. If you're going into it trying to steal spots at the end of the day, then yeah, ethically it's wrong. But it costs I mean, more if you want to go on that trip. If you want to <laughs> do it and save money, then go for it. But at the time, guys always have much more equipment than you're probably going to have on hand. The next That's a good go point, out. too. You're always going to be slightly under-equipped compared to what they have. Correct. Yeah. Now, something that's really going on in Michigan right now, there's all kind of voting going on and... It's already kind of taken effect where we deer hunt, and that's APRs, which for those of you that don't know, it's antler point restrictions. And essentially what it is is the restriction that you can't shoot a buck without at least a certain amount of points. So the, to just say APR, it's different everywhere. So where we hunt, we're in northwest Michigan, which outside of the youth hunt and the vet hunt, there is a restriction where you have to shoot a buck with at least three antler points on one side. And it wasn't always this way because growing up there, my first buck there was a four point when I was a kid. And now it's a, you have to have at least three on one side. And then the restricted tag after that is I think you got to have four on one side for that mm-hmm. one. So it's four. four. On, yeah. And that's a big deer. I mean, AJ, wow. you've been on plenty of hunts to yep. know yep. that that's like not something you see all the I time. Have, I, no, that you was don't. a good size one that we shot together, and that exactly. was only a three and three. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so you you start thinking about how big a deer has to be in order to have that. Now, the idea behind it, and I'm going to read a little bit of this. This is from Michigan's Let Them Go, Let Them Grow. And I actually, you can go to their Facebook page and check it out. They've also got a private group, and it's a, it's a pretty cool mission that they have. But I spoke with Adam Kemmer of that group, who's big into the APR movement. And he's a good friend of mine. He's actually the guy that does our European mounts, too. He's got a European mount company, so if you go there, check him out, too. Bonehead, Boneheads, I believe, is mm-hmm. what it is. And uh, um, he does a fantastic job, and I really have a lot of respect for Adam and what he does for the hunting and fishing industry in general. He does a lot. He does a ton. He's surprising. Super, volunteers all the time. Really good guy. Now, when it comes to APR restrictions, the idea behind it is their goal is to strengthen the herd, the deer herd, and I'll explain that in a few minutes. And they also want to make sure that people are not killing all the yearling bucks. And the idea is, if you look at the statistics, and I'm going to pull up a, a few specific counties where they actually, where the APRs were in place, and where we actually saw the effect of of this. Essentially, you've got areas where I cannot believe the amount of pictures in my phone that are keeping me from getting to where I need to be. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. But the antler point restrictions that were put in place were actually put in place specifically to help this, but. They had counties where 70% of the deer buck kills that were registered. So keep in mind, there's only like 100 deer registered in these counties. And there's thousands of deer shot in each county. So keep that in mind. But out of the 100 deer that were being brought in, in the year 2010, it was something like 60 to 70% on average were bucks that were only a year and a half or younger. Yep. So, Are those yearlings? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what you would call a yearling. Now, because of that, a so lot... maybe like a spike or a, maybe a four-point? No, maybe, maybe not, because you also have six points and stuff like that for a yearling yeah, bucks, like true. small basket racks and things like that. Yeah, okay. So looking specifically at the county of Emmett, so Emmett County in Michigan, 70% of the buck kills was yearling deer. So okay. young deer. Yep, so exactly, young bucks. Okay. In 2017, 7%. We're a year and a half and younger. And the difference was the APRs that they put in place. No other restrictions, no other laws or anything like that. Now, that was like their big statistic that they tout. And again, I have a lot of respect for this group. But to me, that's a loaded statistic. And the reason why it's loaded is because, of course, 
if you have the APR in place, then... You made a rule that you have to. Of course, that's going to happen. Now. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the then, stats are going to happen. Yeah. Okay. There's only so many six-point yearling deer out there that could even make that statistic. That now, makes sense. to be fair, though, the interesting thing is where it went from 20% or three-and-a-half-year-old and older. So there's one-and-a-half, two-and-a-half, and three-and-a-half. In 2010, three-and-a-half-year-old bucks, there was only 20% of the harvest. By the time you got to... 2017, it was almost 50% Are or three and a half or older. And a three and a half, like deer live to be like seven or eight years old, typically. If they don't get shot. Yeah, yeah if they don't get shot or die of other reasons. So like a three and a half year old buck is a, that's a that's an old man. You know, you start shooting four and a half, five year, a half year old deer, they're really, really old and big. So deer start losing their teeth. I've seen does lose them at six years old, start losing teeth. That's, that's when right you on. don't want to eat their kidney anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Or, or their or their liver. So the cause and effect is um, of the APRs are more does are being shot. Now, a lot of times people say, well, if you're shooting more does, then um, you're actually going to ha- the because the rep- the way it rep- the animals reproduce. If if there's a big shortage of does around, then when a mom has babies as a deer, they will have does. Yeah, so they, it's like they can account for it and. They account for it, like okay. Jesus made them that way. Yeah. So <laughs> they can regulate the population, what genders, yeah. like coyotes. Out. Coyotes howl, and then if they don't hear any in the distance, they have more babies because they need to make more coyotes. Okay. So, but in my research, I found that that is true. In low populations, we don't have low populations in Michigan. There are so many low deer, deer populations. Right. This is actually a cool thing about conservation in general. There are more white-tailed deer here right now in the United States than ever in history. Yep, that's true. Which is insane because, like, there's more deer now than there was when, like, Columbus got here. Mm-hmm. I saw three on the way here yeah. just standing by the road. <laughs> so the idea behind it is a, lot of, a question that a lot of people have is, well, if that's the case, then why would you want to shoot does? Because then they'd make more does and that would be the case. But that's only in low population areas. In my research, I found that in populations where there's a ton of deer, that actually taking out does is a benefit to the herd. Hmm. And the reason being is because while they'll reproduce that, if you're if you're taking out does, because there's like a 50 to 1 ratio close to in Michigan right now. Wow. If you're taking out some does, each doe will have more babies. Oh, so instead of just... By, like, by by less does being around in concentrated areas, they'll have more babies for that same instinctive point. And okay. because of that, the more babies they have, the more more bucks that will be born. Potential bucks, nice. yeah. So if you're harvesting does, you're actually, not just statistically from passing diseases and things like that, helping the fact that the buck-to-doe ratio is there, but also you're causing the does to have more babies each, which then ups the odds of there being more bucks, which helps the buck numbers, which actually helps change that. So speaking to other, now looking to other states, one of the things that makes Michigan unique is we're in the Midwest and all the other states around us have trophy buck situations. We do not. No, we don't. But we have the same climate. So why is that? Now, one of the things that everybody's talking about was doing the APRs and putting them statewide. Now, if you look at those other states, a lot of them either have an earn a buck program where you have to go out and shoot a doe before you're allowed to shoot a buck. Or they have a program where you can only shoot one buck a year, and that's how they do it. Now, we can shoot two in Michigan, but one has to have at least four points on one side, and the other one can be whatever. Wow, four points. Exactly, on one side. And where we hunt, it's got to be at least three, and then your second one has to be at least four. Okay. So that's how it works in Michigan. Now, my question, and I never really got a good answer from, like, the five people that I talked to. I said, well, why wouldn't we just make it? where instead of doing the earn a buck program, why don't we just make it where we only take one buck? And the idea would be that we would self-police ourselves at that time because if you know you can only shoot one buck a year and you have a four-point come in, you're that much less likely to actually shoot that buck because you're like, no, I better wait. I only get one a year. Whereas right now you get two. You're like, all right, I'll take the small one and then I'll sit for a big one because Mm -hmm. part of the like hunting experience is the hunting experience itself because like you go out and shoot a deer and you know that deer hunting season for bucks is over for you. You might not go out in the woods again, so you're going to wait to get the one you want. Yep. On the contrary, you might not do that if you're actually um, if you know you can only shoot one, and you're like, well, oh, I'll wait on it, or you know, so on and so forth. So looking at that, I'm trying to derive 
my opinion on this and like what is the right move. And one of the things that Adam said to me that really hit home with me was he said, I get why you brought up the one buck thing. I get why you brought up the earn a buck thing. But this is what the hunters actually want. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, in Wexford County, which is where we hunt, and northwest Michigan, they put it to a vote to the hunters and said, hey, this is the APRs. What do you think about the APRs? Do you like them? Do you want to keep them? And over 70% of the hunters voted yes to keep them now that they've seen the results of it. Okay. So the hunters choose that. Now, here's my thing, though. I didn't vote on that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was a vote on that, and I live in Northwest Michigan, or I, I hunt in Northwest Michigan, and I'm a pretty religious hunter. So who's voting on it? Is it the people that are super passionate about this oh, move in the first place? Question. So that didn't mean much to me. That didn't mean much to me at all. However, I do get that the people that are voting are the most outgoing about it that are setting the rules. My concern is that with these APRs, my concern is you're risking the fact that the Jeff's dad, for instance, goes out for two days a season, three days a season. If he knows that he might not be able to shoot a buck unless it's got three or four points on one side, his incentive to buy that license and go out shrinks, and maybe he just buys one doe tag instead because yep. the likelihood mm-hmm. of seeing a buck like that isn't there. And then, thus, the funds end up crippling us in the first Lowering. place. So my overall opinion, what I came to, was I think that the one buck program may be the better way to go. I would never call myself an expert. I don't have the, like, Adam is so well-versed and everybody's so well-versed. But from a practicality measure, I think that the one buck program might be the better way to go. Ryan, you're shaking your head. No, I'm not. You agree? I agree agree with you. you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And if nothing else, it's something. Sorry. No, (laughs) no, I thought you you might agree. Disagree with me. (laughs) (laughs) Someone disagree with me. But that's our take on the APRs. When we come back, we're actually going to be talking about some advice that we have for a couple of people that called in and gave some questions. Stay tuned. Riverside Charters, located in Manistee, Michigan, offers guided fishing trips year-round. We target steelhead, chinook, and coho salmon, and brown and lake trout. Fish the big lake on our 38-foot tiara or the Manistee River on our enclosed and heated 22-foot Rivermaster jet boat. We do all the heavy lifting for you so you and your buddies can focus on catching the fish. We'll even clean and bag your catch for you. Find out more at RiversideCharters.com. Jenks Pheasant Farm in Silverwood, Michigan has been family owned and operated for more than 20 years. We provide realistic upland bird hunt opportunities for any experience level. We have seasoned guides and dogs eager to make your hunt a success. Explore our fields thick with sorghum, canary grass, and good old weeds which are great for bird cover. We have creeks to help beat the heat during early season, and we'll even clean your birds for you when you're done. Book your hunt now at jenkspheasantfarm.com. The Sportsman's Alliance works to protect your outdoor passions. For nearly four decades, the Sportsman's Alliance has fought to protect and advance hunting, fishing, trapping, and shooting in all 50 state legislatures, in the courts, in Congress, and at the ballot box. The Sportsman's Alliance continues to be the leading organization fighting coast-to-coast against any legislation or action that threatens your outdoor heritage, while also proactively advancing legislation that allows more opportunities for sportsmen and their families. The future of our outdoor heritage rests with the passion of sportsmen. By becoming a member of Sportsman's Alliance, you'll take an important step to help protect and promote hunting, fishing, and trapping from attacks by animal rights activists. Join the Sportsman's Alliance today to create a powerful and unified voice for sportsmen across the country. Do you run or own a hunting, shooting, or fishing travel service? And do you want to expand your international client base? Become a host on eaglereview.com. Join the fastest growing free online hosting community for hunting and fishing services in the world. Easily create your own page and don't forget to share your best pictures and videos. On Eagle Review, you can share your contact information, your website, and links to your social media accounts so you can generate more traffic than ever before. After hiring your services, guests can leave reviews on your page to help you build a good reputation. Now that's marketing. No middleman. You are in direct contact with your clients. Need any help setting up your page? Our team of passionate hunting, shooting, and fishing enthusiasts are standing by to help you out. So go to eaglereview.com now and get started.
I'm Dean Stovall of Whitney's Almost Everything Outdoors. We are the premier guide service on Lake Whitney for striper fishing, hog hunts, duck hunts, and crappie fishing. We can sleep up to 30 people. Our house rentals just a short walk away from the water. A gift certificate for one of our hunting or fishing packages makes the perfect gift for that hard to shop for guy in your life. Go to waeoutdoors.com and book your hunting fishing trip today. Hot Shot Outfitters in Port Hope, Michigan is the destination for whitetail deer, crow, waterfowl, rabbit, predator, and turkey hunts. We have cabins, over 30,000 non-fenced acres, and a passion for delivering fair chase hunts to you and your family. Reserve your hunt at HotShotOutfitters.com today. Hello and welcome back to the Greenway Outdoors Halloween special podcast, video podcast. I keep putting that in all the posts so people know that you can see us. So if you're yeah. listening to us on iTunes right now, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Android, however you're listening to us, you could be going to our YouTube page. Page? Page. page. Go to our YouTube page and actually watch the action live. Unfortunately, you'll see Jeffrey. And if you you'll notice, see Kyle have a stroke. I like how AJ <laughs> did sound like I was having a stroke. I like how AJ now has the Halloween costume on. They they changed during. I the, I like to stay in spirit of yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah. Ryan doesn't. It is. It's pretty warm in here now. It's just starting it is to warm in here. Whew, Good thing you got that thing. beanie on. Oh yeah, well the Jufro is getting a little crazy. <laughs> We have a question that actually came in from a Chris York, and he said, Hi, Greenway Outdoors team. Kyle Green is very good looking. The other guys are okay. <laughs> uh, maybe that's not what it says, but it does say, Hello, Greenway Outdoors team. I am interested in getting a deer hunting. I live in Michigan, and I was wondering what rifle you would recommend I get. Thank you. I love the show. Chris York. So going off of Chris York's question, number one, it would matter where he's hunting. Because if he's hunting in the south zone in Michigan, it's a shotgun or muzzleloader only. Right. I would never recommend that your main gun be a muzzleloader. So at that point, I would go no. shotgun. No. Now, sure. One of the cool things about some shot, you can get rifled shotguns. You can shoot uh, um, just smoothbore shotguns for deer. So does that mean mm -hmm. you're recommending a shotgun? Well, I'm saying that if you're in the south zone, you have to. So right. sure. if I was going to get a shotgun, if I'm a beginner, because it sounds like he's a beginner hunter, I would look into the shotguns where you can use them for multiple uses. I have the one yeah. where you can actually take the barrel off. And yeah. It's got multiple, so I can take it out, shoot a squirrel, bring it back in, take it out, shoot a deer. So you yeah. can go between pellets or slugs. Well, that's what... Like, huh. I have a turkey waterfowl combo that I had when it was my first shotgun, actually. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. I think unless you have a lot of money to spend, yeah, I would just go with the shotgun because you're so it's the opportunity is much greater than with a rifle. You can yeah. hunt everything. If you want to get into a bunch of different kinds of hunting, if you're only like, I want to get into deer hunting and I don't have time to duck hunt, so I'm only going to hunt for deer. Even then, I still would get the shotgun because you don't know how your life's going to be 20 years down the road that gun's still going to be around and you True. can do whatever that's the cool thing so about buying a, guns yeah it's it like you lasts. buy a gun you have it forever it's it's like like a it might outlive you as long as yeah. you take care of it right <laughs> which we're duck hunting for. is not great for taking care of guns <laughs> <laughs> it, it really isn't now if he was to move up into the rifle zone i i have a few recommendations in michigan he's getting into deer hunting but we also have black bears in michigan and if he wants to use it for multiple things I think that the 30-odd-6 is a very all-around good round. That's what I use. That you can use for bear, you can use it for deer, you can use it for anything. If he's strictly deer hunting and he has no interest in bear or anything like that, a 270 is a flat shooting round that's very, very good, very, very accurate, very, very consistent. Mm -hmm. So if he is in the shotgun area, I'd get a combination shotgun. If he is in, uh, you know, if you plan on maybe hunting ducks too, get a waterfowl deer combo. Mossberg makes them, Remington makes them. A lot of different companies make those kind of combination yeah. ones. And for a rifle, if you're just going deer, I would go 270. It's a cheap round to buy. It's not too expensive. Um, they fly pretty flat and consistent. There's not a lot of kick to it. So if you have a kid shoot it, they're fine too. Or if you have an interest in bear or going somewhere else eventually, 30-odd-6 is a, a pretty good consistent round that won't be too expensive or break the bank either. Uh, in a, next week, we're actually going to be traveling, uh, and we're going to be going to Oklahoma to hunt cranes. I don't actually know that we're hunting it in Oklahoma. because it's, it's Arkansas. Because it's like all those states are right next to each other. We're flying into Oklahoma to hunt cranes with Brian Baker, so I'm pretty excited about that. Excited to see Brian Baker. Guy's awesome. The ribeye of the sky. That's why I'm so excited about it, because apparently cranes taste amazing. And I've never had crane meat, and I am dying to try it. AJ, this might be the first waterfowl that you enjoy eating. I like duck. 
Do you like that? Mm-hmm. Duck low orange. It's a great dish. Sure. <laughs> if I cut it open and there is not ribeye in there, that's another so, thing because so I've been upset. hearing this term for about a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's well, getting overhyped. They brought it up like they were going to possibly have us hunt it here. So we got really excited about it because they call it ribeye of the sky. So we've been talking about it ever since. And then <laughs> steak. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but anyone Flying who's hunted steak? Sandhill Crane, that, that's all I've heard is ribeye of the sky. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to be accurate if everyone says that. Well, that's the thing though. I talked to one guy who was like, that's H.A. Was it? I don't want to say it was Jeremy Ullman, but I thought it was Jeremy Ullman. I think it was. Yeah, but he's like, eh, I like them all. They all pretty much taste the same. And I was like, what is all? He's like, eh. It's very important. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like, Canada Goose, Snow Geese, they're, they're all pretty good. And it's just pretty much like any other waterfall. And okay. I was like, do you know how let down I would be? Because yeah. I was promised, I mean, I like waterfall, but you promised me ribeye. There's sky. no marbling in here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think it would be marbled. I don't, I don't, I don't see it being marbled, but it'd be tasty. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Green Bay Outdoors podcast. Please check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube page, where if you didn't get to see this live or didn't get to see the whole thing, or you're on iTunes or Spotify, go to the Green Bay Outdoors YouTube channel. Check this out and some other clips we've got there for you. Thanks for tuning in and stay green.